On behalf of a wholeness podcast and the Yoga Barber, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on the land in which this podcast is being recorded, the Gunai Kurnai Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders. Welcome to a wholeness podcast. A healthy home for hair professionals and our clients. I'm your host, Fliss Downs, aka The Yoga Barber. Come on in. Hey, hey, beautiful beings, how are you going? Welcome back. We are on episode seven, part two out of three episodes with Via Fenua. If you didn't listen back to last week's episode, I highly recommend you do so. So head on back to episode six to really hear the beginning of mine and Via's conversation, how it all started. And last week we were talking about mental health, creativity, collaboration, and just a whole bunch of really awesome stuff. Towards the end of the conversation, last week V and I were starting to talk about entering competitions and his journey at competing. So if any of you out there are interested in competing, getting into competitions, maybe even applying for competitions with your work and a photo shoot, whatever, then this is the episode for you to listen to. Not only about competitions, but Via and I dive deeper into individuality and what type of barber are you? It's an interesting topic and it's a question that Via actually asked me when we recorded this and I dive deep into that side of things of talking a bit more open about what type of barber am I not only about individuality and what type of barber you are but also we began having a conversation about integrity of service this is all about how us in the shop in the salon how we as a team work and actually what is our customer service like the expectations that our clients expect on terms of once they visited us do they get the same service time and time and time again so loads of juicy stuff we are going to kick off where we left off last week so let's get stuck into it so yeah i put a plan structure together and i was training them what to be doing in the competition and it was funny when when they found out that i was going to be in a competition two weeks out they just looked at me i'm like i don't know what i need to train for <laughs> so the night before competition i'm at work it's friday night and we're loading the last stuff to take to to shed tin so yep. we can set up our booths. And so we stop off at a bar at the end after doing it. So I drink and I'm messaging my wife, my girlfriend at the time. Yeah. I'm really nervous. I'm going to have a few drinks. She's like, yeah, whatever. So I get blind drunk and I don't get home till four in the morning. Oh, I, Jeremy is first up. Jeremy was competing too. He's first up at 9.30 and yeah. I'm supposed to get there at 8.30 so we can set up and go through his whole protocol. Oh my God, you rebel. So get this, my wife been trying to wake me up. I don't get out of bed until eight. So I'm already late. Are you mentioned so that eight I ring him, I tell him the situation. He runs up, go gets his towel, which is fine. My wife gets me there by nine o'clock. I'm competing at 10.15. I haven't eaten anything, I'm bloodshot. We go get coffee. I take my first sip and I'm spewing on the side of the road. Oh my God, Fia. Puking. 
And this is my poor wife. Like, this, this is why I say I owe a lot of my career to my wife. Like, oh, Amy. Thank you, Amy. She's like force feeding me. You will eat this burger. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like dead. I walk into the thing and I'm smelling and my stuff. Like, you're right. I'm like, yeah, I'm just really nervous and tired. So Jeremy finishes and I'm up next. And I'm like, where's my model? They're like, oh, we saw from last night, he was puking up around three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, oh my gosh, my model was hungover too. <laughs> Finally comes in last minute. He sits down. I put the cape on, competition starts. That's how late he was. <laughs> I looked around and I was aware what everybody else is doing. I was aware of who the judges were, what the strengths of the judges were, what they liked. So I made sure which type of skill set to show them when they walk past me. Mm. So it gets hard. <gasps> That's a really good tip. So know what their favorite things are when they're coming near you to do those techniques. I wouldn't know about that. Yeah, but if you're a hairdresser also, I'll show you a little glimpse of what you like, but then I also show what I might think that you might think is at a high difficulty level. Okay. So so those are the things that were in my brain Mm. when I'm doing stuff. Because I had a plan for my haircut and I looked at everybody else and I go, Okay, so if everybody's doing a side part, they're going to line up the side parts. So you kind of have no chance if you're doing the same haircut as everybody else. Yeah. yeah. And I did a side part, but I didn't fade it. I razor taped it and used no guards because I looked at everybody. I just took my guards off the table. So, so did you just use clipper over coat? Yeah. So you, so you went in I with your at, zero. How did you blend your zero to the, to the one? Use my cutting comb. Mm-hmm. Everything flowed. Like, um, I won the Barber Wars when I won Australian. No guards. Because it was just a straight razor. So, yeah. So do you feel, going in with no guards, do you think feel like that was what got the attention on yourself? Yeah, for sure. Like, level of difficulty, I think you always have to respect. Especially live. I didn't have the smoothest blend, but I had the most consistent blend without any guards, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you obviously go in with your, your zero, mm-hmm. open up to 0.5, mm-hmm. and then scissor over comb, and then clipper over comb. So at the time, how I was cutting at them, I would like descend. So I would always start clipper over comb. Yeah, so remove, remove the bulk. Remove the bulk with my clipper, and if you go flat with a comb guard, you're, you're working between a one and a half and a 1.75. Yeah. And then my styling comb, I would go underneath that, and that's, that's almost a one. Then I had two different clippers, and I would set the teeth differently. Mm. I would set it at zero gap, then I will set the other at a couple of millimeters off, so it can be like a 0.75. Okay. So I can blend with my longer teeth clipper into my clipper over comb with the styling comb. Mm. Then I can kill the 0.5 off my zero gap. The 0.75, so yeah. So yeah. Like little changes, but you wouldn't have noticed it in competition. But I had two clippers. Sometimes I had three clippers. And they were asking me that and during competition. I was like, I set the teeth differently. Here's my longest one, and here's my zero gap one. And just kind of understanding that order of where you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to think that you was hung over on your first competition. 
Yeah. And one of the big things, and a lot of people do now, is I didn't face my client to a mirror. I faced my client to a crowd. Yeah. So my client was just facing you the whole time. And I just worked, worked, toiled him a bit, but I kept it because everybody else's client was there. So, And so the camera was on me a lot more because there's a lot of different things happening at the time. Yeah. Did you have that plan going into it then? Or was it just at that spear of the moment you noticed what everybody else was doing and you was like, I'm going to do, I, I need to change this up? Yeah, I think it was a spirit of the moment. I think because the advice that I was giving my guys when we started, it's like, okay, what makes you different? Mm. Embrace that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think everybody else is doing? And would you want to be judged against what they're doing? Or do you want to be judged on what you're doing? Yeah. And so using that principle and concept, I think there's a couple of things that came into my mind in the moment because of those principles that I was telling them, guys. Okay, if you were going to do a side part, there's got to be 10 other guys. Like, why don't you do a pompadour? Why don't you do this? You know, a flat top. Because that will make you stand up. Yeah. Feels like. Yeah. yeah. So, of course. so, yeah, did that. My second comp, I started playing with different textures of hair. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of cool. Yeah. In terms yeah. of Afro hair versus Caucasian hair, is that what you mean by different textures? Yeah. Because people go, okay, so what hair type do a lot of people hate? Asian hair, right? Yeah, because it's so dead straight. And it's, it's so too- stubborn. <laughs> I quite like it though. It's difficult hair to cut. It's a challenge, right? But you can actually get some amazing, gorgeous, like some, you know, if you do a good fade, for oh, that can look great, can't it? Yeah. So for my second bubbles following year, I use the Afro here for my razor fade. And again, I didn't use guards. And I did just the traditional Afro kind of steps, like from the 90s. Mm. And but for my classic, I used Japanese hair. And I did a rockabilly pompadour on them. Wow. Yeah. And wow. Just playing with those textures made it stand out. It's the same haircut, but different looks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Because for the afro here, I think for my tools I had on was a trimmer, a clipper, and a razor blade. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing else. No scissors. So you cut the top with the comb and the... No comb. Oh, because it was afro. Yeah, I really, I really picked it, and I was just like freehand did everything. Wow. Um, yeah. So. That's amazing. So every time people ask me about competitions, like, what will make you stand out? Like, because yeah. I'm gonna tell you, like, everybody's gonna start putting the zero line in first. So if, as a judge, okay, what's the next step? Versus, oh shit, you're not starting like that. What's going on here? You made it more interesting for me. Yeah. But I want to compete again. I want to compete in Canada and US, hopefully one day in the UK. And I'm going to be almost 40. So right now you're with Mast, right? Is that how we yeah. pronounce it, Mast? Yeah, Mast. Yeah. And how's that all going? I'm seeing your education being advertised on your Instagram and things. I think, like, um, I got approached by them. I interviewed with them a year ago, and I felt like the company at the time was still quite raw and young. Yeah. Uh, I love the branding. I love the guy. Like he, he reminded me a lot of a person that I knew beforehand who was my boss. Quite intense, intentional in what he wants out of the industry and his business. Mm-hmm. And quite visionary. Like he was a dreamer. He had many big ideas, many yeah. good ideas, but many bad ones as well. But he wasn't scared to dream it and try and do it. And for me, it just kind of gave me a whole different juice to what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. 
joining them, I joined them as a creative director and my biggest role was one, to look at what kind of brand we want to be yeah. and what kind of content we want to bring out and project. And two was launching the educational platform mm-hmm. and, and kind of putting that through our staff yeah. and trying to have a certain standard, especially from a Midwest town or city, yeah. you know, like being in a big country, like there's certain points of the country where your style areas like in Canada it's like the Vancouver and Toronto and yeah so we're thinking like why can't like Edmonton which is a blue collar city be known for style mm. you know be, be trendsetters yeah you know we can be sophisticated in what we're doing but we can also be casual like so yeah at the moment like they've given me a lot of freedom which is amazing. They've embraced what I do. I've embraced what they do. Mm, Um, uh, We've had really good responses from all what we're doing. Like our our brand awareness has changed for the last four months since I've been there. And it's not entirely me. I think it's just, again, this is what I was saying, like the team that I have now that I'm a part of Mm. is crazy good for what we want to do. We have our founder, which is Rob, who is the dreamer, the ideas guy. And he gives it to us and we're like, okay, cool. How can we execute this? Then his wife does our marketing and she's a hairstylist as well. And those two, they're the ones that created the brand. Okay. So So him and his wife. Him and his wife. So they created a a peppermint shampoo and a black pepper paste. And now we have a beard oil part of it. We have an everything wash coming out. End of next month, we have a, a linium-free natural uh, deodorant coming out, and nice. we're also looking at an all-natural sea salt spray to come out. Oh, I by. love sea salt spray! It's one of my favorite products here. I love it. Any, any hair, any yes. hair. Yes, I know. We see this as a big market, and I think for how we want to be projecting our brand in terms of lifestyle. Mm. We, I'm going to do a couple of photo shoots here actually in New Zealand oh, me up, set me up on your team for sure <laughs> if my Australia visa it. doesn't work out Bia, literally mm-hmm. I've been thinking about this recently honestly I've said if my visa doesn't work out in Australia I will be like Bia tell me how the heck do I get over to where you are and let me work with you yeah for sure I'm telling you we're building here and I think we're putting all, all these things into place there what, what we want out of it like we're putting in a product line. We're putting work into that. We're putting work into our shops. Yeah. At the moment, we have two. And I think we're happy with it. We might add a third. But again, like retail is where we want to kind of focus on with our products. Yeah. But then the third aspect is our e-commerce for online education mm-hmm. and also education in person. We want to establish that in the next year. Our flight's and going that- from the UK to Canada. <laughs> if so my next paycheck i said our flight is going from the uk to canada yes you have to get tested first yeah so we're trying to look at everything about the industry and kind of really have our foot in the door and all of them and really provide that offering that hopefully people will want we love the product i'm not saying that because i'm part of the business but i tried the product before i joined them i said one of my biggest things is i love the branding but I can't preach the product if I don't like it. Yeah, definitely. It's 100%. And it shows, doesn't it? And it's just like 
food, isn't it, right? Some of us, we've got a range of fruit and veg in front of us. There's yeah. going to be some of them fruit and veg that we don't like. Same with yeah. products. We have a brand and what I might be attracted to, you might not be attracted to. So, of course, whatever I'm attracted to in that range, I'm going to sell that more because I believe in that product more so than yeah. what you would do and vice versa, right? It's like it, it totally shows. I think when we work with products, we do naturally just fall in love with certain ones. And if, if a brand really does, you know, rock, rock a sea salt, I'm all in with that product. And yeah. many of my clients will go away with that product <laughs> because yeah, I'm just sure. so passionate about it and believe it yeah because the funny thing is we're only in our first stages of our seesaw but almost almost two out of three clients that we use it on mm-hmm. want to buy it in india nice that's good. Uh, i think sea salt spray is going to have a big surge again just with covid and the longer hair mm. you know, people don't want the clays the paste yeah. pieces too greasy to hit they want to keep the hair longer yeah and i think people are going to experiment with the hair longer in summer yeah when you talk about this is kind of what you're thinking ahead like in terms of the summer throughout your time in the industry have you seen a pattern come and go in terms of trends products they're coming for like a few for a few years and then maybe not so popular and then they come back again or with the trends and same with styles I mean obviously I've been in the hair industry and the barbering industry but yeah I don't think I've been so involved in it in terms of the trend setting stuff as much as what you have. I think up until about three, four years ago, no, even three or two years ago, there were certain trends yeah. that hair will go through. But in the last two or three years, I would be, yeah, 2018, I would say the explosion of micro trends. Yeah. The people understanding what suits them. Even if it was a style in 2016, but it suits them, they wear that with confidence now. Yeah. Like a lot of people understanding and experimenting with what they're doing with their hair versus, okay, like everybody gets this, like the side part was the last thing, right? The disconnection. Mm-hmm. And that went until about 2016, mm-hmm. you know, Some people still get it, but yeah. now we're the living crop in the came in. Then we yeah. had like the hair coming forward, the cropped and the, the chippy fringe. Yeah. And and people still wear that now, but not everybody. There's, you know, people still wear a side part. So I just say it's just such an explosion of microchains. Yeah. Which I feel is amazing for our creative space. Where I, I remember 2010 doing mohawk mullets, like 20 of them. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So over now, this bloody mohawk mullet. <laughs> yeah. And now my day will consist of, oh, I might get a mohawk, I might get a side part, I might get a pompadour, I might get a zero fade, skin fade, I might get a crop. So definitely the selfie era has helped. And people say, oh, it's going to be a trend to be a barber. No, like people are always going to look at themselves now because we have smartphones. Yeah. People are always going to judge themselves against others. People are always going to see a style that's going to suit them or they like that. We don't have to look at magazines anymore of Brad Pitt from five years ago and go, that's what I'm getting. Yeah, you can look into a Google and go, guy with skinny face, dark hair, and almost have someone almost look like you or have the face, same facial features with hair. Then you're like, okay, I like that haircut. Yeah, so and guys are getting smarter about that, getting more aware about that, and conscious. And it makes it exciting for me because it doesn't mean we're going back into the dark ages of the 70s. Yeah, yeah, because if our service sucks, 
yeah. And, and yeah. We don't have service. Yeah. And it comes down to our consultation is literally the primary foundational yeah. thing between a barber and a client. And I think as well, it also comes down to the education, right? From ourself as a stylist to then the client versus your consultation to then the service to then at the very end educating your client on how you're styling their hair what products you're using and why and the little techniques that they can do at home to make their life a bit more easier you know yeah for sure that is very true yeah i believe that i believe in educating the client at the end of their service definitely and the amount of times that clients would be like oh I wouldn't have thought about doing that or oh I've no one's ever told me that thank you and it's mm-hmm. that little bit of it it's that it's that extra thing isn't it you go out of your way that little bit more yeah, mm. yeah. I believe that I believe that shows confidence in what you do in your job and also it gives your client confidence in what they've just got yeah definitely. Um, because um, I was uh, having a conversation or for another barber the other day mm. and and he's like oh what do you think about these haircuts and all these men's bio ones i'm like to be honest i love it as a creative perspective and visually for me as a barber as a stylist love it yeah if the client has the commitment to do that for his hair i'll do that cut yes if he doesn't yeah like no it's like keeping the expectation, isn't it? Yeah. If this is your wedding day and this is how you want to do it, and yeah, if this is a photo shoot and this is, yeah, for sure. But if I go, this is going to be you every day. And if I can see there's no confidence that they want, I'm like, it's going to be flat. You're going to hate it. It's not going to it look doesn't... like the style that you want because you're not styling it how it needs to be styled. Yeah. So again, you say it's consultation. People come in. Well, photos and you're like, okay, you have to put product in. Oh, I don't like product. You have to blow dry your hair. Oh, I don't want to blow dry my hair. Well, you can't get that haircut. It's like, why not? Because you have to blow dry it or you have to put product in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. a lot of customers will get annoyed about that because they think you're trying to cheap out or. But avoid we're not. That we're totally not, are we? We're just no. telling them the truth. We're telling them with our knowledge and we're being honest. We're being true to them. Yeah. Because yeah. we know that's what we're being paid to do is to be honest with them, with our knowledge and our skills and things, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit like I find somebody comes in, shows a picture to me of somebody with dark hair, right? But yet they've got fair hair. And I have to say to them, look, fade is going to be, is very obvious on this person's hair because of the depth of his color hair. Whereas your hair color is much lighter. You're not going to see that definition as much because your hair is so much lighter versus your scalp and everything. And the amount of times they're like, oh, I didn't think of that. But, oh, yeah, I see what you mean, though. It's pointing out little things like that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. And hopefully, I know our industry is heading towards more of a better service. I feel like it is, but Mm. I might be naive. Mm. Because, like... You only know what you know, right? Like, no, what? I get that. I get that. I mean, definitely customer service is one of the things that I look for everywhere I go. And mm. it's probably the one thing that I love about our industry is the service that I can give someone. Yeah. And 
I remember when I was working in New Zealand, you know, obviously I, I started working with Barbershop Co, didn't I? And we used to use the hot towel at the very end of the service. And most barbers, if not all of them actually, would just give their client the hot towel for them to wipe their face. But I wouldn't. I would not let them touch that towel. I'd unravel it. So then just let the steam come out so it wouldn't be scorching hot. I'd wrap it around their face, dry that off. Then I would whip it out so then it goes cold do it again and then I'd give them a shoulder massage no other barber did that in the shop and the amount of clients that was just like oh that was so good and I had clients saying to me oh I come back to you because you're the only one that does the shoulder massage and it's oh that's the service right yeah that's awesome that's awesome my my uncle that's a barber he told me you never know what they man's carrying on his shoulders like you always make sure you look after them massively because when i used to shave when you teach me how to shave at the end i would do a neck and shoulder rope yeah you never know what that man's carrying on the shoulders never never Mm -hmm. you know not unless they start expressing it and even then that expression and that communication and that let's say friendship between a client and a barber that takes a while to build you know doesn't it when they start sharing those sorts of things not always, yeah. you know, some clients can be really open straight up and you've met them for the first time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, so earlier we were talking and I didn't quite get what you were going to say to me, but I, if, it sounds like you're coming back into the hair industry. <laughs> oh my goodness me. Yeah. I like... have to quiz you about this because it's really <laughs> important to me. Yeah, I am. Um... I've not been able to cut hair and have that connection just be taken away from me has hit me hard. Really like slap me in the face with a wet fish. Yeah, that's fine. You know what we have learnt in our last two years, Felicity, and we were talking about it. It's all right to let go of some of the goals. It's all right to change our goals. It's all right to manoeuvre or swing one way or the other. Like, I think that's the the beauty and one of my life lessons is Mm. that you are in control of what you do. Whether you continue it, whether you stop it, whether you start it, you are in control. Yeah. And that's what matters. Even when you feel like you're out of control, you are still in control. That's my biggest lesson now. It's like I'm in control of what I want, what I want to do. Yeah. For me, it's exciting to hear that, like, you might be coming back, but then I also respect that, hey, like, it might not be, but yeah. it's still fun to fantasize that I see yeah. you coming back. Oh, love. <laughs> Literally, like, I think I've just had, you know, we've talked so many times, haven't we, of the amount of crap that I've had in the industry and how it's really yeah. tainted my passion for it so much. Mm-hmm. And I've said to you before as well, it's upset me. And this COVID stuff, I know that I've got to continue hairdressing for my visa in Australia and to live in Australia. And I think walking away from Australia 2019, I guess I didn't quite realise what I was doing. I didn't realise the impact that it was going to have on my life. Mm. And obviously the biggest impact of deciding to walk away from it at that time and there's various factors in involved with the decision of mine at that time yeah but 
to have come back to a country where I know I don't really belong, but well, I kind of got to go home now or no, I'm deciding to go back home, live in Bristol for a bit and see how I go kind of thing. Obviously coming back here to then be in lockdown and not be able to get back to Australia. And then, you know, I came back home and I said, okay, I'm not going back to the UK to be employed. I'm just refusing. I do not want to be employed. I want to be self-employed. I want to barber, continue specializing in cutting men's hair because I actually do really enjoy that. And I want to become a yoga teacher. And I mean, the yoga teacher side didn't really continue again. That's another kind of story. But then I started obviously barbering by myself and I kind of was working in a few barber shops. Yeah. And, uh, and then I got picked up by Man About Town, the barber shop that I now absolutely love working in. And working for Man About Town was my first ignition, like ignite, ignite within. The team there are just, I can't describe them. I mean, they're just beautiful men and they, they just, I, I don't know. I just go to work and I enjoy it, Via. You know, and I haven't had that for so long. Even when I worked for Barbershop Co, there was part of that journey when I worked in the Owsley store. I loved Owsley store because I loved my clients. I loved the people. I loved the street that it was on. But if you put me in any of the stores, I didn't enjoy my day. So with Man About Town, I enjoy it. And I have an hour and 20 minute drive to man about town I don't give a damn that I have to drive an hour and a half to that shop because I just love spending nine hours in that shop and I don't mind driving an hour and a half back you know I have a full-on 12 12 hour day and I I wouldn't change that drive like I everybody keeps saying to me why don't you get a job closer to home I'm like no I'm not leaving that shop that's freaking great shop to be working in I love my team we're in contact even when we're out of work like we're buddies you know and then lockdown happened back in November just for one month and that's where it started ticking over in my brain going oh my goodness me I am struggling with not having this physical contact with human I didn't realize that and I know that I'm a very huggy person and I'm a very touchy-feely person and I'm a giving and a caring person but I always thought that it's what I was giving to people but I didn't quite realize what gift I give to myself for having that interaction with people yeah it's a gift that I've given myself that I didn't realize that I had and Mm -hmm. I've looked at all the past years of being in and out of the industry and I've gone I could have done so much in the industry but I didn't see it Because all what I was taught being brought up was to have a job and just pay the bills. There was no drive into competitions. There was no drive to be a bit different. There was no drive to travel the world with it. There was no drive to go and work on a cruise ship. There was no drive to do people's hair behind TV, you know. And although I was aware of it, but I didn't have the mentors around me or the coaches to slightly swift me up in that direction I think at the time looking back then I think maybe I did need it maybe you should have joined my team 
oh god for you don't <laughs> right and i've gone <laughs> oh don't come on i already i already regret a lot of things don't let me regret another thing <laughs> it was meant to be oh, it was meant to be because like you know when you You're think about it now. yeah completely and when you think about it we built such a beautiful friendship from that meeting and i even said to you several times ago when we last chatted i cannot thank you enough for saying to me if you need anything just reach out to me you know and i wholeheartedly knew that you meant that kind of thing yeah. and uh, yeah i guess sort of within the last year i've gone okay if i'm gonna continue in the hair industry i'm gonna work it I'm going to do what I didn't do in the past. I'm going to want to enter competitions. I'm going to want to fall back in love with it. I'm going to want to maybe find a name within the industry. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm going to become this like big person that everybody knows. Like, I mean, yeah, it would be quite nice to be sort of looked up to because I do feel I am a leader, but I've always kept that leader inside because I'm scared of becoming a leader. So I've kind of kept it at bay, if that makes sense. You're going through what I was going through mm. six years ago now. Mm -hmm. So about the same age. Yeah. And one of the questions I always ask people, I don't know if I ask, I'm sure I asked you this when we interviewed, like, what type of barber are you? Like. Yeah. What type of barber am I? In terms of like personality wise or like what, like the first things what that come. Whatever you want, however you want to interpret yeah. it. Yeah. Because that's what you should embrace mm. because that's your passion. Then everything else will get added onto that. So I go, okay, cool. You, when we start training, you're already good at skin fades mm -hmm. and we can nurture that and we can emphasize that. Then we can build on top of that. Yeah. And then adding, because if I take you out of something that you're comfortable and love and keep you uncomfortable, it's going to be a struggle. We, yeah. we need that passion to be, yeah, yeah, of course. And then to grow. Yeah. So I always understand, like, it doesn't matter how many years experience, whenever I'm interviewing, I go, what type of barber are you? God, I don't think you ever questioned me that because if you remember, like back then I was coming from a hairdressing background. I wasn't a barber when I first met you, was I? Yeah, I so remember I, that. Unless you, you might have asked me what kind of hairdresser am I? Maybe yeah, you asked but, me that question, but I don't really remember it. I mean, well, if I was to describe what type of barber am I now, when I think about the instant thing that comes to me is I just think about the type of person in terms of the type of personality I am that I bring to a client in terms of I'm a barber that freaking makes my client feel comfortable and I'm welcoming and I'm warm. That's sort of that's what, what I look at. Like whenever you think of that, okay, so that's your biggest qualities that makes you excited about being a barber. So... I always say portray that because that's the type of clientele you want. Mm. That's the type of people that I won't never be a skin fade guy to be a role model for skin fade because that's yeah. not my yeah. passion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so it will not make sense for me to see a haircut of yours. It will make me make more sense if I see a picture of you and your client together after yeah. a haircut. Yeah. And tell me his yeah. story. Yeah. 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 Or tell me your advice to him. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm customer service focused. For really? me, that's a real big thing. And I've been questioning recently, actually, Via, about thinking about sort of what package can I create in the industry? If I could specialize in one thing, I would specialize in customer service within the hair industry. How do you, number one, how do you greet your clients? You know, like, do you have a reception? Do you have a receptionist? 
how do you work you your floor? Oh no, I'm just like these are these are just questions that I'm kind of thinking of in terms of when it comes to customer service. These are the things that I think like how do I greet my client? Is somebody telling all the other barbers that their clients walked in? Is there great communication on the floor to make the clients be able to see that we all know what's happening? Like we all know whose clients with who and the phones ring in. We we need to communicate, nod at each other who's going to get the phone. Exactly. Don't let that phone keep on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I guess, I yeah. That. I love the fact that you already have a certain idea of your strength and like where you want to kind of head into. Like when I first got into education, I had a brief idea and it kind of changed and it kind of moved along the way. But what helped me was trying to build structure around that idea. Mm. Like you just explained to me so many different things that a lot of people won't think about. We want consistent customer service from everybody. Yeah. Yes, you can have your personal flavor and touch to what we, but we also want structure, not to a template where it's going to be like Barbershop Co has their yes. template of things, which is That's great. That's so structured, which is nice, but it's so robotic that it's not authentic. Yeah, yeah it's not authentic. And I think you know me, my brain just starts working when people tell me what they want to do. You're really passionate about it. I'm excited about it because I feel like there's a need for it. Obviously, how that like comes about as a business is a whole different thing. Yeah. But like good starting point to be going, that's what's your future and your stuff for barbering is how you treat someone or a little aspect of a handshake or a hug or a top towel yeah. and taking that further and explaining it and going to people, Hey, this is my touch that I do. Or your hands on someone's shoulders and go, this is what, how I finish my haircuts. Yeah. You know, little things like that. You speak in the mirror to your client and goes, my advice to him was blah, 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 blah. like, I, like curating it and kind of really showcasing that skill mm. is going to be, it's going to really show you in a different light versus, okay, this is my zero feed. Yeah, that's the thing. I know I'm good at cutting hair, but I also know I take longer cutting hair. But what I say is it's because I just give my clients so much friggin' attention. And yes, I know not everyone's going to be willing to obviously make a 45 minute appointment because they can obviously take two haircuts in 45 minutes. I get that. I'm not telling people to lengthen your haircut, to lengthen your service. Yeah. That's my way. I'm happy taking 45 minutes for a haircut and taking less money. That's because I'm personally happy with that because I want to yeah. focus on my client for that 45 minutes. I could yeah. smash out a haircut in 30 minutes. So I could take two haircuts in one hour if I wanted to, but I choose mm -hmm. not to. I was telling a kid messaged me the other day. It's like, hey, can you help me with my Instagram? And I was like, I'm not really an expert in Instagram, but what I do know is I want you to project on who you are and what you like about barbering. Mm -hmm. Whether it's your scissors, which is your tools, yeah. your shop. Right now you're doing haircuts and it's all coming from the same angle, from the same length. Yeah. So for someone, it could be a great haircut, but because you can get lost because it just all looks the same, yeah. the direction's not there. And, and sometimes now I was talking to Julius Caesar two years ago. He was asking me a question about my whole barber project because I'm going to still do that. Do some guest spots this upcoming month in New Zealand. Yes. Awesome. Um, two new places, yeah. right? I think I'm going to do four, but I'm getting really ambitious. It means I don't have any days off. 
so yeah, God. I gotta be careful. But we we're talking, and he goes to me about my part. He's like, "You're gonna be rich in experience," because he goes, "Would you get a lot of money from him?" I'm like, no. Yeah. Like that. My thing is, not even building content. The content's nice. I can have that as a byproduct. Yeah. But my biggest thing is to be working with people and learning of them. Yeah. They think they're learning of me. But you're learning from them. The do's and don'ts. Like the, the positives and negatives. Everything. I take everything in. Yeah. Whether it's your shop decor, your shop setup, your customer service, your price, your integrity of service, which means how consistent are you delivering a service? What what does your shop stand by in terms of service? Like what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Like, so yeah. That's what I call is integrity of service. Mm. For Barker's, there was a certain integrity of what we do with our service the hot towels when you're getting your hair washed you're styling like the advice so i always look into that whenever i go i actually don't even care about the price to be honest because it doesn't reflect what type of shop you are yeah. it can for a lot of people and it can in some shops but i think the majority i think whatever product you're producing that okay. should be what reflective of your shop yeah yeah and sorry to go on this kind of crazy wow, thing. Going. Yeah. I love it. We were talking and he goes to me, he looks at me and we're talking about Instagram and everything and projecting. And he's like, you know, everybody already knows I'm a barber. So now I'm just showing my artistic side. And I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. These guys, they have thousands of followers. They show, he goes, that's great. But he goes to me like, then the way I want to show the people that already follow me, my clients, is how I look at hair for a different medium. Mm. And I thought that was kind of powerful. And, and if you look at his stuff now, he's painting, he's designing different stuff, he's making necklaces. So he's expressing his artistic side through different mediums of art. And, nice. And, and I like that. And for me, how I'm embracing and projecting my part is trying to be projecting the more educational parts. Mm. I'll put haircuts here and there, but I'll repost stuff on my work stuff on, on my story. But I think I'm coming to a point where I'm letting people know me a little bit more, where I was really guarded on Instagram earlier. I just, I refuse to use it. I don't like it. Yeah, uh, but I am starting to let my guard down and kind of let people yeah. in a little bit more. Mm. It's social media relationship is it's a for me personally it's a love hate relationship, <laughs> and you'll see how much I go on social media and my stories and everything, but it's actually doesn't do me good a lot of the time. Yeah. So I think understanding how to work with Instagram for yourself. It's an important thing, isn't it? Because you can get so caught up in it. Whereas if you're building that relationship up with Instagram on a positive note. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that because I struggled with it. But then I saw it as a business tool yeah. for a long time. So it helped me. Then now I see as myself as the business, which has helped me again. Yeah. I don't really use it to express many feelings. Mm -hmm. but people use social media in different ways that's what i was going to ask you that's the question you got to ask yourself whether okay is this my personal space where i get to express what i want and be in peace with that or is this going to be my business page where i not protect who i am but project what i want people to embrace not yeah. about you but what you're doing 
Yeah. That should change who you are. It should just show people what you want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And and so me finding that out over the years, it's just like, okay, cool. I like that. I like looking at it a way where it's like, if I want to post something personal about myself, great. I have that freedom now in my mind, but it was shackled up for a long time because it was business. I'm just going to show this where I go for education. Now I'm going to show that I'm having a meal. This window is nice. So I'm going for a walk. I think Canada really kind of let me free because I felt in New Zealand, like I was saying about expectations, yeah. I it to be a certain thing. Now it's just, I'm in control. Yeah. Like I can show what I want to show. I can hide what I want to hide. Goodness gracious me. I just feel like these episodes are getting better and better every single time I release one. And with this three-part series with my friend Via Finua, I just can't wait for you to get stuck into next week's episode eight, where Via and I will be talking about digital relationships, mentorships, and intentions. All in all, these three episodes come hand in hand of what mine and Via's friendship is like. And Via and I can continue talking about stuff time and time again. And we just never have nothing to say to one another. And we're always cheering one another along, even if we go months at a time not talking to one another. So anyway, next week's episode is going to be a short one, anyways, between about 15 to 25 minutes. It will be a quick roundup of mine and Via's conversation and yeah I'm just hoping you're really enjoying this if you are wanting to follow me head over to socials and follow at the yoga barber I've got a patreon page that I'm wanting to set up where you guys can support me should you wish to support my journey outside of being a full-time barber And if there's anything you want me to bring to the table, if there's anything you want me to actually go over, talk about, maybe there's a specific guest that you'd love to have on to a wholeness podcast or hear from, then please do let me know. Please write in the comments, share this on your social medias as well. And I guess that is going to be a wrap for us today. Join me every Wednesday for a wholeness podcast. I'll catch you real soon. Peace, love and light.